Hello everyone, I'm Theo Hill and welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery and where we learn together from each other's stories. I also want to let you know that because of the pandemic, we are recording this episode from my home. I have three beautiful grandchildren who live with us here, and you might hear a little noise from them. So thanks for your patience with that. Welcome to my home, listeners. Now, I have a very distinguished guest this evening. We've known each other for a very long time, and I'd like to welcome Leanne to One Day at a Time. Hi, Theo. Hi, Leanne. Mm -hmm. Would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself, your family, what life was like for you when you were young and um, when you first got introduced to drugs? Well, I will say that uh, I was raised in a home with my mom and dad in Catonsville for the most part of my life. We moved there when I was three. I have an older brother. And I have three younger brothers and a younger sister. So it was six of us six total uh, total in the home. And it was a regular uh, all-American family. I mean, my parents did uh, bicker here and there mm-hmm. and more here than there. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, it was a, we were raised with a lot of love. And we were taken to uh, a church where, you know, I was introduced to God of my understanding. And, uh, you know, it was a, 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 I knew a very loving God from, from an early age. And um, my life was uh, good. Mm-hmm. It was good. I didn't really know what drugs were until high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, then I didn't even know. Um, I s- started uh, with alcohol, of course, and that was um, in my senior year of high school. And it was mm-hmm. mainly on the weekends, but uh, mm-hmm. I liked that Boone's Farm wine, and uh, it made me feel good. Mm-hmm. Then I found out my brothers had been smoking pot for years in our house. Mm-hmm. And I was so naive as to how prevalent pot smoking was that I thought my brothers were criminals. And I pictured the house getting raided at any moment. And the police coming in and arresting them. I just was so naive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was when I was in high school. I was sneaking in the bathroom smoking cigarettes. Little did I know everybody else was out on the campus mm-hmm. smoking weed. But um, eventually, I did get exposed to weed. Uh, a year after I graduated, I was down with a friend of mine down Ocean City, and of course, I had my wine and. We would meet mm-hmm. these guys, and they'd come back to our hotel room, and I'd have my wine, and they'd say, oh, you want some weed? Mm. And uh, I resisted for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then finally I said uh, to Lillian, my friend, I said, I think if I'm offered it tomorrow, I think I'm going to smoke it. And that was the beginning of a long love affair with me and marijuana. Mm-hmm. And that was my drug of choice for years and years and years. 23 years to be exact, and uh, they say this uh, disease of addiction is progressive. And what happened with me is um, I mainly smoked pot, and I would abuse alcohol from time to time. You know, my favorite saying was one more, one more, one more, one more. Uh, You know, unless it was last call, then I was two or three more. (laughs) Yes. 
But uh, I would try other drugs here and there. If I was at a party and somebody mm-hmm. had put through some lines of cocaine out, I, you know, anything free I was up for. So, and I did a little uh, microdot and a little bit of acid here and there, but mainly it was marijuana mm-hmm. was my drug of choice. And that's what I did 24-7. And until it progressed until sometime... Uh, in 1994, I started um, smoking crack. And uh, um, go, wait a minute, hold on. How did you get introduced to crack? Well, I was. Uh, th- that's a good question. I think there mm-hmm. was a dry spell for marijuana, and there were some people up the street that were doing coke, and they were smoking it. And um, it's funny because I never did. When I did the free coke at the parties. As soon as I got high on it, I wanted to come down. My head was going so yeah. fast, yes. so fast. I would squeeze my head and think, I can't wait till this wears off. Mm-hmm. But when I smoked uh, crack once or twice, it was it was all over. Yes. It was all over. Uh, even though I didn't like it, I couldn't stop. Right. I couldn't stop. That's all I wanted. You know, it, it and I kind of joke, it detoxed me off of the pot and alcohol, you know, because once I got to smoke and crack, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. Right. And uh, it took me down in a hurry, in a hurry. Um, I never thought I was an addict when I smoked pot for 23 years, but as soon as I got hooked on crack, I kind of knew from the beginning. But uh, denial kept me yes. uh, caught up. Which for, is part for, of the disease of addiction. Yeah, denial caught me, um, kept me caught in the grips mm-hmm. for 10 months. Uh, mm-hmm. I lost my job. My house was in foreclosure. And uh, I still couldn't stop. Wow. Yeah. I mean, finally, um, what had happened mm-hmm. uh, before I started on the crack in April of 94, I had gotten a DUI. Yeah. And uh, I flipped the car, and uh, I went to court for that. You blessed to be here. You flipped the car? <laughs> I flipped the car. Wow. And the neighbor that was there that saw me in that neighborhood was consoling me. Well, little did I know she had called the police. She goes, I called the police. I, I ran over and tried to flip the car over. I said, I'm out of here. But I, <laughs> but I couldn't flip it over myself. <laughs> so I sat there, and they took me to the hospital. So they just gave me a ticket. So I mean, I was lucky in many ways because yes. I could still I could still continue working because I drove for a living, and um, I still kept my job at that point. That was in April of '94 that I got that, and the, the trial wasn't until December. Well, between April and December, I had progressed to smoking crack, not drinking or smoking pot anymore, only crack, wow. and I had lost my job. So I go to court. I'm out of work, you know. Looked like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I got a PBJ, and um, I did get two-year supervised probation. Okay. For my first DUI at age 40, wow. which I thought, how unfair is that? But when I look back, I think God was working. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. that is what ultimately helped me come to my point of surrender. Uh, I was seeing... Every every Monday, I had to go report in, right. and, and this woman saw me deteriorating. She's the only one that saw me on a regular basis. The rest of the time, I was shut in my room with my shades drawn, you know, hitting the pipe. And she saw me regularly. And uh, at one point in July of '95, 
she looked at my meeting attendance. I was supposed to go to two meetings a, a week. Mm-hmm. And by this point, I had been to 14 meetings. I should have been to 44. Is that right? Yeah. And she said, what's going on? And I said, oh, well, I lost my job. And I'm depressed. And I can't get motivated. She looked at me. She said, you know. She looked at me. Everybody knew but me, you know. Right. And she right. looked at me. She goes, oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. And she went over to her drawer and pulled out this box. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that. And I knew just what it was because I'd just gone through three of them before they fired me at work. <laughs> and I said, when do I have to do that? She said, now. And it, it was at that point that I was in, you know, back into a corner. I said, well, it's, I'm not going to so, pass. Uh, what, she gave you your analysis? Your, your analysis. Okay. And I told her okay. up front. I, I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to pass. Right. And she looked at me. She goes, oh, really? <laughs> you know, why is that? I said, yeah. because, because I'm on drugs. I mean, she knew all the time. She knew all along. Yeah. She, right. kn- she knew all along. And that was my lifesaver right there because she backed me into a corner. Right. I finally got honest. Yes. I finally got honest, and um, she violated me. She did? She violated me, yeah. And, and I had a hearing in two weeks from that point. It was July uh, 19th, and I had a hearing in two weeks. And in those two weeks, by, by August 2nd, I had made up all my meetings, and I had a clean date of August 2nd. Did you? Yeah, I did. Fantastic. And by, by the time I went to the hearing... She, she spoke in my behalf, and, right. and they they ended up letting me go and just continuing my uh, IOP. Well, I didn't have an IOP. I just had I just went to DUI meetings. no DUI uh, monitor okay. once a week and right. two two meetings a week. Okay. But I was doing seven meetings a week by that point, and um, and they saved my life. You know, I came into NA all beaten up. I mean, when people saw me come in there. They welcomed me. They looked at me, and I, I'm sure they th- thought she's in the right place. And I felt that, and I felt the love. And and um, I heard one of the first meetings I went to, a guy said, I got seven days clean today. And for me, that was, like, amazing. Yes. I needed to hear that. And, and I asked him how he did it, and he said, you know, one day at a time. One day at a time. time. So it gave me hope. And uh, here I sit today going on 26 years in recovery but uh if it wasn't for the people that came ahead of me i wouldn't have made it yeah mm-hmm. what was it like to you know get your life back together once you got um in recovery well it was rough because i like i said i had lost my job i had a job for 12 years and they let me go and um i had cashed out my yes. 401k oh, yeah. and that was all gone and my house was in foreclosure as a result. Um, it's funny how things happen. The attic thinking, when I went to put that money in the bank, I was looking for the investment guy. And he goes, she goes, he's off today. You want to make an appointment? I said, oh, no, I'll just put it in savings because I might need it since I'm out of work. And I, I, little by little, I spent it all. And um, so I was not in a good place. But once I got clean... Little by little. Little by little. Little by little, I put my life back together. Yes. With 90 days clean, mm-hmm. I applied for a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the employer, when I was interviewing, he goes, well, you know you have to take a drug test, and it's, you pay for it, and if you pass, we reimburse you. If you fail, <laughs> you know, 
you you don't get hired and and you you pay for it so i said oh good when do i have to take it i said i didn't have to look at a calendar and say and say oh well we gotta wait a couple of weeks i said i'll go today to take it so i went took the drug test and i was hired with them and um i didn't start right away that i went to work for them i believe it was may of 96 Mm -hmm. But once I had that job, I had 90 days clean, I was back to work, I asked my dad for money to get my house out of foreclosure because they were ready to take it and yeah. auction it. Yeah. And so my dad wrote me a, uh, wrote the bank a check and had my brother there as a witness and had me sign a promissory note, 6% interest, I paid him back. And um, I was back to work. And it's kind of humbling because I had had um, from... I had like 20 years experience and I went to work for a company and took half of what I was making. Right, right. But right. you got to come, you know, right. I was so thankful. It was humbling. Yeah. I was thankful. They, 18 months I'd been out of work and they gave me a chance. And as I worked there for two and a half years, I I built my um, salary back up mm-hmm. and I knew that I could do better my self-esteem was restored that's one thing in na you listen to what they say you get a sponsor you start the steps and you start like just changing you know into the person you should have been all along and and that's what i did i found out that i love myself and and i cared about myself and i wanted what was good and i was good enough to get a different job because i was not going to stagnate there i knew that i could do better which right. i did which i did i right. did i applied for a job and i got that job and and um i really did good for myself my kids uh it was kind of hard i was going to meetings with three kids in my early recovery is that right okay. yeah yeah because in your story you didn't mention your kids <laughs> so well, we, we finally came back yeah yeah my yeah. kids they went through my uh, addiction, addiction with me yes yeah, and they them to meetings i took them like, to meetings yeah they were 11 8 and 6 and they uh-huh. went to meetings with me and that's when i see women coming with kids mm-hmm. i kind of have a place for them in my heart because i was there uh, yes. and i know how it is and um so i I thought it can't hurt them to be in meetings. They they can learn from my mistakes. Exactly. I wish that were true because I have a couple kids who are struggling. Now, one has come t- to the other side. I have another one who is still in denial. But, you know, I can't get clean for anybody else but me. And that's what I did. And I became the mother I should have been when I was in my addiction for the most part until I got strung out on crack, I was there for them. I, right. You know, they played sports, right. gymnastics, all that. Right. But once the 10 months I was on crack, it was not good for them. No. I stayed in my room with the doors closed and, you know, it was, it was devastating. My son to this day calls me a crackhead. And mm-hmm. I've been clean for 25 years. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. They use that. Your, the records of your past. Yeah. yeah. I've even made amends uh, to, you know, I've worked the steps and I've made amends to them. And my sponsor, after I did the steps for the first time, she said, you've made amends because you're the mother that you should be for them now. You're there for them now. And that's that's the best amends you can make. And that's right. what I did. And now I, I keep them in my prayers and know that God has them as God took me through my addiction. I'm hoping that he'll take... Uh, my son through his mm-hmm. get him out of the denial that denial will keep you sick yes mm-hmm. Yes. so 
out of this process, what did you learn about yourself? Well, <clears throat> I learned that um, I'm uh, worthy of respect and that I can do anything I set my mind to. I know that um, addiction took me so low that I just thought there was no future. But what I found after I got into recovery and started working on the steps and, uh, you know, turned it over to God that my life has never been better. I went through and had a job for 15 years in recovery, and then they laid me off. But you know what? I know God had a plan. Mm -hmm. I live in faith and not fear today. And living that way, I never have to worry. I know that with faith, all things work for good. And whenever things may not look good, I just keep pushing through. And when I get to the other side, I look back and say, oh, I learned from that. And, yes. and I know that my life has never been better. Yes. So what advice to someone who's struggling with addiction right now, what would be your advice to them? Well, what I would say is that addiction, unlike some people say, it's not a choice. It's a disease. Mm -hmm. And that once you come to that reality that it's a disease, it, it's not curable. But as we read it, our means, it can, however, be arrested at some point and recovery is then possible. So if you're caught up in addiction, first of all, you have to realize it for yourself. Everybody around you can tell you you have a problem, but until you tell yourself you have mm -hmm. a problem, you're going to go nowhere. Right. So for me, new people, newcomers, people that are caught up, I say, first of all, be honest with yourself yes. and tell yourself, I got a problem. I got a problem. And then just start one day at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time. Just resist that urge to use. And once you stop using, you can start recovering. I would like to thank you for sharing your story with us, Miss Leanne. It was my pleasure because, as they say, you can only keep it by giving it away. And thanks for having me. And listeners, I would like to thank you, too, for being with us on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. I'm Theo Hill, and let's talk again soon.